right, welcome to another edition of the podcast. Uh, this is number 94 for us, and where we talk about all of the things that have happened in the DC universe this week. Uh, I'm your host, Kendra Hale, and I am joined by my colleague, Brad Filicky. Hello, everybody. Um, now, there's been a lot, a lot of news that's come out this week. And, I mean, first of all, the, the big one that I've seen a lot of the news that's been coming out is about the Zack Snyder film. Um, the, the cut that's coming out for the justice, like we've gotten a lot of news about that. Uh, the first one, I think that was probably the most, the biggest priority for it is uh, the fact that we get four, four minutes of extra footage that was filmed this week. Uh, what did you think about the, the information that was released with the little bit of information that was released about the four minutes, Brad? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm 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 torn about this because I've said on the podcast before that, you know, all these actors that have come back to shoot new footage that I, I, I thought it might delay things because of COVID and everything. But if they're only shooting four minutes, then I don't think that would necessarily be a problem. But with four or five minutes, how much can you really get into bringing back like Jared Letter's Joker? Or, you know, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman for new footage for just five minutes. It seems it seems it seems a little bit ridiculous. So I, I'm kind of hoping that when Zack Snyder said this, he was kind of aiming a little bit low on exactly how much extra footage we're going to get. Um, but in another way, it also makes me wonder about how much footage that he has shot that we haven't seen. So uh, this makes the whole thing a little more interesting about what we're actually going to see when we get to see the Snyder Cut. Uh, what do you think? One of the things that caught my eye about this one specifically is that Snyder's already said that he has plans based off of what we, we're seeing with his cut. He's already got plans for a sequel in mind. And the biggest part of that that catches my eye is that Warner Media hasn't been like, yes, we're on board with that. And I'm almost curious if that's because of everything that's happened, not only with the original cut, but everything that's led up over the last few years to Snyder and the fans finally getting his cut, what he saw for his vision. And it, it gives way to kind of speculation on if Warner Media is going to cut ties with it, it would almost it would almost be like seeing the fans rise up again and giving Snyder what he needs. Maybe not necessarily in a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter type of way, but it would would lend itself to a, a new way of people getting the films that they want made from the creators they want by him being able to do that on his own by by drawing from the fans did you see that part of it yeah yeah and uh, i have always been a Zack snyder fan through all of this so i i've always been wanting to see what his vision would bring uh, i always thought that he was kind of you know there was a lot of hate thrown his way and i always thought it was kind of undeserved so you know, whether it is a GoFundMe or whatever, I want to see his vision realized. Um, but 
you know, in the end, I was just hoping for like 45 minutes <laughs> or, you know, a- at least of extra footage. And, it, you know, something also that comes to my mind is the fact that this is going to be a four hour cut. So how much did they shoot back in the day where they have four hours already in the bag where they only need to shoot five more minutes of extra footage? So, you know, I it just this just makes me really curious about what we're going to see. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be something that's hopefully with the fans setting the priority, because that's something that Zach himself has even said was that yeah. he wanted fans to see what he wanted, you know, what his initial vision was. And quite frankly, if he's got more to expand on that and he's got a follow-up, I'm here for it. I want to see what he saw when he was getting everything set up. And if that means that he's already got the material in his head or on paper or however he has it for a next one, I hope it doesn't take as long as the first one since we'll already have the traction of the Snyder yeah. Cut. But in the end, I hope that the fans are happy with it either way it goes. Yeah. I mean, God, wouldn't that be amazing if fans loved the Snyder Cut so much that he was given the green light to go ahead and do a sequel? I would love to see a Justice League, too. I mean, and that, that kind of leads us into the next couple of pieces. Because like I said, there was a lot of things that got released this week when it came to Snyder's film. These two I can kind of lump together because they're both new looks or first looks and we got a first look at what his vision not only for uh martian manhunter is but we also got to hear that he's wanting not only confirming jared leto coming in as the joker for a part of the scene but we also see that he's going to be changing up his look so it won't be the the jared leto joker that we got in suicide squad so Brad, what did you think about both of those? You know, with the Joker thing, it's it's kind of interesting because if you looked at that video, uh, they kind of hinted around that it's going to be kind of a fan favorite thing that's going to blow our minds. So I'm wondering if it's going to be kind of a Joker that is going to hint at one of the classic stories, maybe killing Joker, something like that. So that makes me really curious to see what they're going to do with Jared Leto's look as the Joker. I'm sure they're going to get rid of the, uh, the grills and, uh, you know, I don't know what they'll do about the whole, the, you know, the tattoos, but, um, yeah, if it, you know, at the end, it just makes me really curious about what, what this new Joker look is going to be. Uh, what do you think? When it comes to the, the Jared Leto, I'm, I'm going to give him free reign. I'm, I'm going to withhold opinion on uh, on Jared Leto until we see it, whether that's going to be more information that gets leaked the closer we get to the, the cut being done or whether he's going to hide that as his ace in the hole until the movie itself comes out. Just because there's if he is going to go towards something more fan favorite, there's there's so many versions of Joker that it could be that could be considered a fan favorite. So it'll be interesting to see which one he chooses to go with, especially like you said, given the backlash that grills Joker kind of got. But when it comes to the other part of this, where we get to see not necessarily a glimpse of what, (laughs) what Manhunter is going to look like, but I really dig that the image that Snyder shows 
the one still of him and a little bit of artwork, it lends more to the white Martian side of him. So I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to pull that off. I mean, it looks like it's going to have to be either some, some major makeup effects or we're going to be seeing CGI enter it. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. With, with Martian Manhunter, I, I was kind of surprised to see that, that more white Martian look than, than from my mind, when I first got introduced to the character, it was was more the the green Martian. So yeah, that's interesting. I wonder how they're gonna pull that off. I am too. I'm I'm really curious to see what they're gonna bring to the plate with that. But given what they've already been able to kind of show off when it comes to uh, the CGI, I'm I know they can hit it out of the park if they really want to. So I'm I'm really curious to see it. The next bit of news actually features Sylvester Stallone. And it's been kind of leaked out a little bit um, from Stallone that he's going to be teaming up with James Gunn for uh, a role in the Suicide Squad. It hasn't been stated what he's going to be doing yet. But I'm kind of hoping that this isn't just going to be a cameo. I kind of want him to have some meat on his bones. Um, what did you think about the news, Brad? You know, I, I I flashed back to his role in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was more of a cameo. And it makes me wonder if if it is going to be kind of a cameo, but it's going to be kind of a more of a not a major character, but an important character. And I wonder if he is going to voice King Shark. And I, I know that king shark was already cast but i was thinking maybe that was just for the the um like the motion capture work and then sylvester salome will do the do the voice which uh back to the harley quinn animated series because to me the pinnacle of king shark will always be the harley quinn animated series um, you know, back in the fa- when when Fandom debuted and they they showed the trailer for the Suicide Squad versus Justice League game. One of my comments on the podcast was that that's that that trailer that was not my King Shark. My King Shark is the King Shark from the animated series. But if anybody could maybe kind of make me rethink that would be Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. So I don't know. I would I, I kind of think it would be funny if he was if he was was King Shark. And maybe they it would be a kind of a good thing if they didn't announce it at all. They just said that he was going to be in it, then you go and see the movie and then, you know, King Shark comes on the screen and it's Sylvester Stallone because we don't know how long these characters are going to last in Suicide Squad movie. James Gunn said that nobody is safe. So even if it's King Shark and it's Sylvester Stallone, it could still be just a cameo. So, you know, know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, What do you think? Well, now I'm kind of mulling over that because, I mean, you're (laughs) right. Once, Once you've kind of seen the Harley Quinn animated series, most of the characters that are a part of Suicide Squad are kind of ruined for you. Unless you, because you're, you're, it's like reading the comic books and hearing, uh, you know, their voices as, as they go through when you read a comic book. When you watch the movie, you're always going to expect <laughs> yeah, that voice. Yeah. 
and that would be amazing. Like, I mean, if you really wanted to provide fan service, that would be a quick way to do it. But even if it was just a joke to, like, him having laryngitis, and that's his voice while he has laryngitis and bringing <laughs> in that voice actor, that would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But I think that I, I like your idea. If he does come in as the voice actor for King Shark, I think that that would give a much darker, grittier version to him, a much more believable version. And I really would dig that if that was the way they were going to use him. I mean, I, I, for one, could really hear him as being King Shark's voice. I think that would be hilarious. And I think that that obviously that you, you're not going to have a James Gunn Suicide Squad movie without a healthy dose of humor. So I think that would be a a good good aspect of the humor in it so that's 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 what i'm hoping <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed for that and see kind of how it goes if he does sneakily on his instagram kind of release anything else because he does like to do that so we'll see if anything comes forward and just keep our fingers crossed for some good momentum for him because like i said i would love to see him with with something with meat on the bones instead of like, like you agreed with Guardians of the Galaxy, he had he had the beginning of a really cool story, one that you kind of wanted to know more about, but then it was just kind of it was going to go nowhere, and that's really sad. So hopefully, there's a spinoff of that that features all of those those characters in their own little spinoff. Yeah. Now the the next story that we had that came out was one that you, me, and Kelly had actually discussed. And that was um, Wonder Woman 1984 had been set for December 25th to come out in theaters. And at that point, they were still really hopeful to hit that date. But news has come out that they are considering whether to push it to the summer of 2021, given the rise um, in the numbers for COVID. So rather than letting it come in at December 25th and just being done with it they are gonna they're thinking about pushing it back and that was something I think that both you uh, that all of us actually had brought up we were curious to see if they were gonna do that were you expecting them to do it still oh man no especially with with uh, cases arising uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm a little torn about this because I just want to see this so bad uh, and I, I know that in a lot of places, movie theaters have opened and where I am in New York, you know, um, I, I, I'm kind of half between New Jersey and New York and New York, uh, theaters have not opened in New Jersey. They have, and, um, still that's going to make it harder for me to see Wonder Woman if they open it on Christmas and, for, on a personal level, I just really want to see it. So that kind of uh, bums me out a little bit. I really don't think that they will release it on Christmas unless they plan to, as part of the story says, release it on HBO Max in January, which is kind of an interesting uh, prospect because that could really help hbo max get more subscribers and that could help the bottom line of the film because i think that there is just 
part of the problem with this with Wonder Woman 84 is that there is so much writing on this movie as far as just making money like the first movie did and just being like a cultural touchstone like the first one was. And now it has all this weight on its shoulders beyond that of just bringing people back into the theaters and they just really want to time it well. So I just I I don't see them releasing it on Christmas without also having that January release on HBO Max. Uh, And, uh, you know, I kind of hope they do that just because I want to see it. I don't want to have to wait until next summer to see it. And so many movies have pushed have been pushed back. I just feel like at some point something's got to give. And, you know, as a fan, I think that comes shining through first for me. And I just really want to see this. Uh, you know, what did you think? I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, on one hand, we had to see. I mean, it we haven't had, but we've seen that even powerhouses like Disney had had to put movies into their streaming services, like they did with Mulan, and they kind of had to tread the water with that, with it first being a pay to see and then finally being free with the service. And I mean, I know that in the article, it says that HBO Max is kind of struggling against those powerhouses like Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. But I'd almost wonder, I mean, I would think that Wonder Woman 1984, if they were to put that into the streaming service and to, you know, take the, the safety of those going out to see it in theater into account, I would think that that would be a huge push for them, you know, because that's, that's brand new content that you're not going to get anywhere else. And that's, that's the big draw of places like Amazon prime and Disney plus because they have those established services. And it's not like HBO is a little fish in a big pond. So I think that, I mean, as much as I know, I wanted to see this in theater I I would honestly prefer to sit in my jammies on my couch with a bucket of popcorn and and know that I'm not risking anything by getting to see the newest content, especially, like you said, when there's so much writing on Wonder Woman's shoulders. Yeah. And and honestly, you know, I I, I don't know as as you and me as such fans of of like a Wonder Woman movie and, and just these kind of movies in general that if we if we are the right people to ask about this in a way, because no matter what, we're going to watch it. You know, if it comes to HBO max, we're going to be there as soon as it hits like that second, we're going to be pressing play. And if it was going to be in theaters, we'd be there that, that Friday for showing to see it. So, you know, I, it's almost up to um, those those fans of comic movies who don't actually read the comics to decide exactly how this is going to play out. Right. And I mean, I, and I do agree with that because we're a little biased. Yeah. <laughs> just to, yeah. Just like there's no matter what, we're going to be there. We're going to watch it. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it does, it falls on that. And that's something that the platforms are going to have to look at. And that's not just for HBO max. That's for, for anyone who's debating on on new movies and new content, especially with the rise in cases. I mean, that's yeah. something that absolutely should be taken into account. And 
I know that that's going to hit the theater market hard again, like it did over the summer. I mean, we, we saw what happened and, and everyone had their own stories about what was happening with their local theaters, especially with them either being open or being completely closed. Yeah. So fingers crossed because nothing is set in stone yet for them. They haven't made an absolute decision whether they're going to put it back or whether they are going to let it go forward. But either way, I know given the history of what they've done, that they're going to do whatever's best for their cast, their crew, the safety of the viewers. So that's, that's got to be the bottom line. Yeah. Now that was it. Um, that was it. That's all I'm seeing for uh, the movie news, which pushes us into TV. And one of the main ones, one of the first ones that comes up is um, the black lightning spinoff painkiller uh, has been set for pilot and that's going to star Jordan Calloway as the main main protagonist as Painkiller. Is this one that you're looking forward to? You know, it really is because I I always really liked the character of Khalil, uh, and, and, you know, as Painkiller in the show. He always seemed such a, a tragic character, and I was always rooting for him. So I I. I love the fact that he's going to get kind of a second chance here with this show. And this just makes me really, I'm a little bit behind on black lightning. So reading this story really made me want to, to catch up because I'm going to be excited for this because I always kind of really liked this character and thought he deserved more. So I'm, I'm happy to see that he's going to get that. So what was, what was your take on this uh, black lightning spinoff? So I think I'm going to take this time to be honest. I've actually not watched Black Lightning. Oh, you should. You should. I know. It is on my list, but my list is so freaking gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, from someone who hasn't seen it and seeing that this one is getting a spinoff, I have to say that I'm really excited to see that. Because these are these are characters that aren't part of your holy trinity. And it's really nice to see them get a spotlight cast on them because that opens the door for all of these other characters. And I think that that's something that I've loved seeing as the comic fandom is growing. We're getting to see, you know, all kinds of characters get, get spotlights on them and not just the, the newer ones, but older ones as well. So I will, like I said, this is on my, my to-do list, but I'm glad to see that there's going to be more content waiting for me when I finally have caught up with everyone else. Yeah. Now, the next couple ones, let's see here. It looks like I've got three that have to do uh, with Peacemaker, uh, which is from from James Gunn. So he gets to be spoken about again. Um, it looks like they have not only we had a discussion from James Gunn about the series on social media and they've added more cast members. So what are your thoughts on Peacemaker? Uh, this is really interesting. Like, you know, I, I was a big, you know, a lot of times when we when we talk casting on the podcast, uh, we, we get to the kind of actors that we're not familiar with. But in one case with with this Peacemaker casting, uh, Danielle Brooks is an amazing actress. I loved her as Tasty on Orange is the New Black. And anything that she's going to do beyond that show, I, 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 I'm completely there for. Because her, her, her acting as Tasty on Orange is the New Black 
is one of those characters where I think I, I can't see anything else about that character. The fact that I'm going to see her as somebody else. So this really, really made me excited for this Peacemaker uh, series. And one other thing, um, you know, and I'll admit with the other actors and actresses that have been cast, I wasn't as familiar with their work at all. But we find out that we're going to get Vigilante in this series. And Vigilante, Vigilante to me, was always one of the unsung heroes of the DC Universe. Uh, he was, you know, he was kind of the Punisher of the DC Universe, but in a way he was cooler to me. His costume was cooler and he was a little bit more mysterious and behind the scenes and even a little bit more gritty than the Punisher. And this, and I, you know, I, I hope that this kind of brings more attention to that character because I, I'm kind of holding off for uh, a hopes of a black label vagil, uh, vigilante series. So yeah, I love that this character is going to get highlighted in, uh, in, in Peacemaker. So what was your take on this? I think what I love most is that while we're dealing with the pandemic, we're still seeing so much movement maybe not necessarily when it comes to the movie section but with tv shows because james this was also when james uh was talking about having sliced alone uh come on and he brought up that hbo had come to him and said if i could make a tv show based on somebody from the squad who would it be and he, he came out with Peacemaker and they were like, here, here's some money. Bring us something that nobody's ever seen before. And I love that. I love that mm-hmm. we're finally, get, I mean, it hasn't had a date set on it, but the fact that we're seeing these actors signing on, especially with roles, like you said, like with Vigilante and with uh, Danielle Brooks, we're getting to see that this is movement. This is forward progression. And right. it's really exciting. Yeah. And it's fast. Right. You know, like, like, like I mean, it was like, boom, like, you know, usually I see I'm, I'm kind of cynical when it comes to casting and projects and things like this. It's like, I'll believe it when we're actually seeing footage. But because news has hit so quickly with this, I'm really optimistic that we that this is going to happen sooner than we may think. I think I'm in, I, I am, I'm not even going to say I think, I'm in the same boat. I like that it's going so quickly because that way it is, it's something to look forward to. And like you said, with Orange is the New Black, her character was so dynamic and it showed us almost the full spectrum of what she as an actress can do with Danielle Brooks. So for her to come into a different light and come into kind of, well, I'm just going to say it, into our world, into the comics verse, that's even more exciting. I want to see who she's going to be, and I want to see how she's going to play it. So it's very exciting to get these pieces of news, knowing that it's coming so quickly. Yeah. And one more interesting thing is that uh, James Gunn said that Peacemaker is not the official title. So we don't really know what the the official title of the series is going to be, which makes me wonder if we don't know because it's going to be something that's tied in directly to the movie. So it just makes that buzz to me all, that that much louder to you know what is Suicide Squad going to be? 
I know, and I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see whichever way this goes. I mean, with with that and with all of the other information that we've been receiving, there's a lot to look forward as a comic fan, especially with the chaos that 2020 has wrought. So, yeah. lovely little lights to kind of keep us hoping. Now, the last bit that I'm seeing here. Uh, for TV news actually has to do with Pennyworth season two. And it deals more with the scheduling that we're looking for the episodes. And it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from the fast pace that you and I were just talking about. Um, There has been a date released for it to debut on December 13th. And there's, there's a couple of episodes that do have dates for them to follow. So instead of it being a binge, it's more of a, we get our first episode on the 13th, episode two on the 20th, um, episode three and four will make their debuts on the 27th. But after there, there's really nothing that's been stated about the rest of it until 2021. And even then we don't have specific dates. So, How do you feel about that? I mean, at first we get dates and we have scheduled times for these episodes, but after that, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, I'm so torn because part of me is happy that we're going to at least get these four episodes. They're in the bag and we're going to see them. But damn COVID, because now it's such an open ended with the other half or whatever of the season that we don't know when we're going to get to see it. And, uh, you know, I I, I kind of hope that we're not left on a huge cliffhanger with those four episodes in a way so that so that it can at least ease us into a possible long wait, because it, it seems to me that they haven't really, you know, things are pretty much stalled. So they haven't filmed anything for these other episodes. So it may be a little bit of a long wait. So, man, what a mixed bag. Uh, What did you think? See, I'm in that same ballpark because for me, like, take away the bias of the comics and absolutely take away my bias of, of Alfred because there's a lot of love for that character. But as a viewer and someone who, you know, I mean, I watch Mandalorian where you have to wait a week. For the next episode to come out and that's painful enough waiting for the next because i'm so used to the netflix culture of being able to binge all at once but i don't know how i feel about you know we have three four episodes that are scheduled and then the rest are up in the air because for me that automatically ticks that light on in my brain of well what happens if they don't get to continue them are we going to be left with an episode that maybe has information that's going to be a cliffhanger that would have been revealed in, in episode five? What happens oh. if we never get episode five? Oh, man. Oh, I sure hope we do. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I, I maybe I don't know if I'm being that optimistic where we think that that, uh, you know, things will continue. It just might take a while. You know, I, I always feel like, I, you know, I. I'm willing to wait as long as I know that, that we are going to get to see it. So yeah, I haven't even considered that. Yeah, and that's where I'm kind of, I'm, I guess I'm being the, 
the pessimist this episode because that's where my mind goes is, well, what ha- we never know what's going to happen from week to week. And what if something happens, especially since, you know, we've had lockdowns, we've had productions being pushed out and I'm just, I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't wait to find out what would come next, but it would really suck. <laughs> yeah. But with that, that gives us our end of the TV news, which is kind of a little bit of a mixed bag. We've got some good. We've got some, oh, my gosh. But I believe this would be a good time for an ad break. So I'm going to let that happen because it's not on the schedule. But I know that there's supposed to be one. (laughs) This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the spinner rack each and every week. DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by... The guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the bat, I'm nuts. I definitely do not f*** bats. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there.
or not, that's really up to all of you. Fuckers. This next one is a a little bit of some clickbait. Because it says on the thing that it's Manbat postponed indefinitely, but yet in the article it's saying that it's back up and running. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that what they had done was they, because it didn't have a date, that they thought that it was canceled, but uh, you know DC came back and said nope, it's still happening, which I'm I'm happy about because you know <laughs> one of the you know things about this podcast that we talk about a lot is how Steve has gotten us all into Justice League Dark, and right. if you read Justice League Dark, one of the standout characters that everybody loves is man bat so the fact that he's finally getting like his own series is such good news for us justice league dark fans so i'm happy to see that it's not outright canceled that we're still going to see it so i think that 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 is really good news so what do you think of this that i still think it's clickbait <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I mean, it really threw me for a loop because I'm like, wait a minute, because the the article itself, it, the way that it, it lines up, especially in the URL bar, is that, you know, DC's man bad is postponed indefinitely, which for me is like, OK, so it's not coming anytime soon. It's been taken off the table We're we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to put it in a file cabinet for a bit until we can bring it back. But for the article itself, it's literally just saying that the uh, the 2019 Manbat series that they had talked about doing has been rescheduled and it's going to have a 2021 debut, which, like you said, is great for people who are fans of Kurt Langstrom. And I'm excited to see that because I want to see what they're going to do with him because he's such a complicated character. Um, I want to see what the story is going to be. And I'm, oh, I'm a little bit taken aback that they're only going to make it a five issue miniseries because most of the miniseries arcs are usually about six six issues so Mm -hmm. i want to see what they're able to put into five issues that's going to knock us off our feet yeah you know being super optimistic here i i i will (laughs) they probably have a whole story planned out so i'm probably putting the car before the horse but Maybe they will expand it because if you look, if you look at something like in my mind, and this is I, I know it's not really it's, it's apple and oranges, but death, death metal. I don't think that they necessarily planned all the extra one shots and tie ins that ended up happening. But because metal was so popular. They had all these these other issues attached to it, and maybe if if something would happen that we were that lucky that it is, it, it gets such a great response from fans, maybe they will expand the story a little bit and make it longer. That is super optimistic, but I'm right there with you. <laughs> like I am on. That I mean, I would take it I if they did it. it. I doubt it, but you know. Well, but it also like like I said, my favorite phrase is that it opens the door, and it's because it right. does. Yeah, We might be able to see other, I mean, not necessarily one-shotters, because it's not a one-shot being five issues, but these little dips into the pool of these characters that you don't normally see in leading leading comics. Yeah. Yeah, Man Bat was, yeah, Man Bat was, in my mind, always a B character, so it is 
so much fun to see him kind of step into the spotlight a little bit. Right. Well, and that leads up to the next one as well, because not that I'm saying she's a B character in any any way, fashion, or form, but Vixen is going to be leading uh, the new DC team-up title in Truth and Justice that's coming. And it's going to be nice to see her as well being a leading character in, in, a, in a series. What did you think about seeing her being named that? You know, I, I, I love the story. Um, you know, one, one thing that really jumped out to me is that they said that this was going to be a way for up-and-coming writers to give their takes on DC characters. And I think that's going to be so much fun. And it, Vixen is such an interesting way, you know, into that. Um, just because that wouldn't be my first choice or my first like go-to character for a team up. So I think that that could really be fun to see what writers do with that character in, in, in the idea of, you know, in in the concept of a team up. So yeah, I I think this will be a really, a really fun series. Uh, What was your take? I think I'm really excited because it also states in the article that this is going to be going forward with um, with this title. We're going to get to see some of the newer newer talent for DC coming forward and adding their names to this book. So it'll be really cool to see the new artists, new writers coming forward and adding, you know, adding their stamp on DC and, and getting to do so with a really cool title. But the next one is probably my favorite new story to hit. I remember when this one came out, I immediately messaged Steve and I was like, I want to do this. This will be my review for February. And this is the uh, Valentine's Day themed DC anthology that's going to be led by Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy coming in February. And like a couple months ago where it was all October, now it's all February. (laughs) Yeah. So we know where the money's going. But what do you what do you think? What are your expectations for the anthology? Uh, you know, I'm going to come back to the we are in a golden age of DC Comics right now of being, you know, it, it is an amazing time to be a DC Comics fan. One of the reasons that is is how good they are at these kind of anthology issues whether it is anniversary issues or the giants or you know these death metal one shots that have come out or something like this anniversary this this valentine's issue and they've been doing these valentine issue special issues for a few years now and they've all been so much fun so yeah yeah this is just going to be you know another one of Issues that are so much fun, fun to read, and it gives different, you know, different creative teams an opportunity to spread their wings. So, yeah, this is going to be, I'm sure this is going to be another uh, very fun, very fun read. Uh, What was your take? The fact that they're bringing Amanda Waller into the love net. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm absolutely here for it. I can't think of anything like anything that could generate comedy better than Amanda Waller trying to find a way out of a mystery date. I cannot (laughs) wait to see what they do with her. 
So I'm yeah. I'm excited, and I agree with you. Anytime that they do a themed anthology, because their their most recent one was uh, the Halloween special, The Doomed and the Damned, and I yeah. absolutely adored it. That anthology right. was great. Yeah. Every time and they the get Swamp to do Thing that, anthology, yeah. just like I mean, it's also uh, yeah, it is just such a, a an amazing time to be a DC fan. It is. And these anthologies, I mean, again, we're all biased, but I mean, this is really where they get to shine because these are these are art teams and writing teams that get to step outside of a preconceived box with these characters. And yeah, they have a little bit of guideline to go with, but for the most part, these are all about, you know, in this one, it's going to be about love. And of course, there's going to be comedy because it's Harley and Poison Ivy that are leading it. Yeah. If there's not comedy, there's something wrong. Yeah. But the next bit of comic news is a little bit sad. And that is that DC has delayed um, Amy Reader's Amethyst finale again by um, pushing it back to December 15th. Now, it's the fourth time um, that this finale, the final of the comic, has been rescheduled since it originally was supposed to come out in June. And they had they had it set up for a trade um, for the series. And because the last issue hasn't come out, that, of course, is going to have to be pushed back as well. And they're looking at March 2nd. Uh, what do you think about the delays for this one, Brad? Uh, you know, I, I had a... Uh, a positive outlook on this when we first started getting this term, you know, you know, this news that it was going to be delayed. And, you know, she had came out and said, we're just trying to make this, you know, as good as it can possibly be. And I was, you know, as you say, I was there for it. But now I just, it, the more this keeps getting pushed back, the more I wonder if there's something else going on. Um, you know, I, I, I just wish, I just wish her the best. So, you know, I, you know, at the end, you got to get down to the human level. And I just hope that she's doing okay and can, and can get this out. Uh, and I, I'm excited to, you know, I'll admit I haven't uh, not caught up on the issues, but I really want to read the trade. So, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I just want to see this, um, you know, finally, get completed and i hope that 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 she's doing okay now what was your take all right because i'm going to be the pessimist here so before (laughs) i go into my pessimist ways i'm going to say the same thing i'm going to echo you and say that i really truly hope that if something is wrong that i hope that she is completely fine that if she is sick or if she's not feeling well that she's battling back from it but it really makes me curious for a comic book to be pushed back not once or twice, but four times, especially when it's the finale that, you know, that's, that's the part of the book that, I mean, aside from the beginning, that's really the part that most fans are looking forward to, especially because they want to know how the story ends, what happens to their character. You know, I don't, we've all talked in the past about how we understand when it comes to movies and to TV how the pushbacks and the corn, all of that production. But when it comes to comics, it's a little bit different. 
because we're seeing not only DC and Marvel, but also all of the indie indie comics. They're back on their feet for the most part, and they're generating new content. We've got new storylines coming out. It really makes me curious what's going on with issue six, because normally in in the comic world, these would have been turned in months and months beforehand, before they even, you know, even before the first issue is released or close to it. So I'm I'm really curious as to what the holdup is, and not only what the holdup is, but why it keeps getting pushed out so far. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, it, it, it keeps getting pushed back like three or four weeks at a time. So something, something is up. Right, and like I said, I don't mean to be the Debbie Downer in the room, but it's it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, like maybe one or two pushbacks would have been understandable because given where her team is or where she is, something could be going on. But since most of these books are done digitally, it's really it, it just makes me curious as to why there's such a huge delay. Yeah, but. Fingers crossed that she's fine, because or and the team, because I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I'm I'm being harsh or cruel when it comes to that. It's just one of those things where seeing other series come out just fine. I know that this one was big, and not only was it big, it was well received. It has a very huge fan base, and they are loyal. So I, I just, as a fellow fan, I kind of want to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But so. moving forward, so another thing that's been talked about a lot is Generations Forged number one. And one of the things that we've learned is that not only is there a mystery teammate villain, but there's also a link to the Dark Knight Returns that's been revealed this week. And one of the cool things that I found about this is that they're bringing in. Um, with Jurgens himself saying last month that they were going to bring in someone who'd play a key part, we're getting Superboy. What do you think about that? I I really like that concept that we're going to get Superboy, the Clark Kent as a teenager Superboy. Two, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. To my knowledge, we haven't seen that Superboy in a while, so it's it's fun to see. Um, to see him come back and i am you know this is going to be a fun series to watch unravel because i i am curious exactly because we do see that dark knight returns image in the cover and how they're going to weave that into um to the overall series and maybe even to the overall dc multiverse or omniverse as they're kind of calling it these days so yeah, I mean, I, you know, this series is going to be interesting to see exactly the groundwork it lays for the DC characters going forward. So, yeah, I, I'm very curious about uh, about the series. Uh, what was your take? I think I'm really intrigued by the storyline that, that they're trying to set up. Um, with it being, like you said, with it being throughout the generations. And, and you're right, it's been a minute since we've seen this version of Superboy. So I'm I'm intrigued. I want to see what they're going to do with him. And not only with him, but we get to see 
different generations of some of our favorite characters like Batman and Steel, Starfire, Sinestro I'm excited for, especially Booster mm-hmm. Gold. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really neat to see what they do with all of these characters, especially since we're not getting them necessarily all in the modern day, but some of these are going to be coming back from 1939. So I got to say, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with this. I mean, it's, it's not the first time that DC's pulled a time travel, but it's been a minute since they've done that too. Yeah. You know, one thing I always respected about, DC is that they are not afraid to do things like this with uh, the idea of continuity and and you know and, and hitting reset buttons or changing things in ways that makes sense you know even in in the comic book world so yeah I I think this is going to be very a very interesting and important series to see you know to see what unfolds as a result of what happens in it so yeah well yeah we'll see now the next one is is kind of interesting it's the uh dc's wonder woman of wonder women forgive me of history um not only are they postponing it a little bit so that that way it coincides with the 80th anniversary for wonder woman um but they're also changing the name from Wonder Women of History to Wonderful Women of History. What do you think about the changes, Brad? Uh, I I can understand why they delayed it to to coincide with the 80th anniversary of Wonder Woman. So that's that makes complete sense to me. Uh, the name change, I'm not so sure about why that was necessary so i'm i'm actually i'm curious if you had any insight on what you think about the the name change the only thing i can think of why they would have changed the name is because they're moving it to coincide with the wonder woman anthology um and maybe that's just a way to not confuse fans when they're they're looking at the books but i mean for me personally i i wouldn't have minded it staying the same yeah. Yeah, me too. I, it seemed yeah, I just it seemed a bit unnecessary. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm not sure what would have prompted the change aside from the fact, like I said, that they are putting them outside they they might be featured side by side. Um, but I'm not sure aside from that, why they would have changed it from wonder to wonderful when it feels like in the the original intent was to put these guys on this, these, these, these ladies on the same stage as, as Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like that, that seems like the whole point was to do DC's homage to these, these lovely ladies and say, well, this is where we hold our Wonder Woman, this high on a pedestal, this rock of strength and compassion. And this is where we hold those, these, these ladies as well. These ladies that we have in the real world and history it felt like it meant more being Wonder Women than it does Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman seems to have Wonder Women ha- seems to have more of a um, powerful connotation than Wonderful. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. 
if, sure if they had the reasons. He listens to this. Can you give us that? That's our question. What prompted the change, and why wasn't it left alone? Yeah. But aside from that, I mean, like like I said, I have no idea. It just it doesn't make much sense to me. And there's there's some I wanted to be in the room when it happened. Yeah. Then we would have understood. But the next bit of news, because we're we're done with our comic news, and that, there was a bit. But the next bit of news is that DC uh, DC Comics promoted Marie Javins. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and I, I apologize. Uh, to their new editor in chief position. So first of all, congratulations for that. But what did you think about her getting that promotion? Yeah, I, I would say congratulations to her. Um, you know uh, that uh, that's an amazing position to to step into to be offered. Uh, I you know I will see what happens with the choices she makes. Uh, I, I'm really trepidatious about their DC's leaning towards this whole digital first thing. I really don't want to see comics go to a digital only format. I think that is a mistake. And I just I, I hope that she doesn't, um, you know, go, you know, lean in that direction. I really hope that she still focuses on publishing physical books. That's my big hope. So, you know, so we'll see. But fingers crossed. Uh, what was your take? There's been a lot of, of shifting and moving around in DC's hierarchy. And I have to say that I'm in the same boat. I really don't want to see them go into full digital because I think that that would be a blow that many comic book stores wouldn't be able to pull back from. Yeah. I mean, DC right now... I, I can only go off of, of my hometown personally, but um, DC is really what's keeping them afloat because Marvel hasn't been putting out many comics um, since the pandemic started hitting its heyday. And, but DC has like, I mean, I can, I can, since the comic shops around me reopened, I can always count on um, the ones that I review being there every Wednesday on their release day. And there's something to be said about having a physical copy of a book in your hands versus a digital screen. And and there's also something about something to be said about the experience of actually stepping into a comic shop on Wednesday to, to pick up the new issues. Right. Uh, and that that's just not something that you're going to see from, you know, going to your comiXology on Wednesday, isolated and, and picking up the issues. It's just not the same thing. So right. I mean, there's I agree with you because there's something about getting your pull folder and having that personal interaction with your local comic book owner, because most of these owners are, are very well versed in what's coming out. I mean, they read the books themselves. So you, you just don't get that level of excitement yeah. or the recommendations because they'll, they'll look at you and they'll be like, Oh, you love this. Have you read this? Let me tell you about this. And I mean, yeah, there are, 
there are those things with the apps where they can recommend the next series that you read, but it's not the same feeling. And I would hate to see DC go full digital. You know, and I'm going to be optimistic on this. And I think that even if their short-term plan is to go digital, I think that they're going to realize in, in very quickly that that's not, that's not going to sustain the, the industry for very long and they're going to have to shift back into the physical books i i i just don't i i i always you know i the comics are a funny thing because a lot of you know they have the reputation as being kind of a a kid thing but if you step into a comic shop you're not going to see kids. You're going going to see people in their 30s and 40s getting books, and those fans aren't the the target for a digital only format. So I, I think that if they think that, that that that's the way forward, they're shooting themselves in the foot, and the physical books will come back no matter what. I gotta say I agree with that because the I'm going to be the pessimist on this. I guess that's just my role. You're my optimist. I'm the pessimist this round. <laughs> because what strikes me is the the variant covers, for example. Right. What is the point of having a variant cover on a digital platform? I yeah. mean, the only thing I can think of that would would be that would be like how Funko Pops are done, where you have exclusive stores or online centers that have specific specific Funko Pops, and that's the only way that you can get them. And I think that that would, if they were to do digital first, that would be the only way that they could do things like variant covers or like with the Death Metal where they have those beautiful foil covers would be if you have them on specific sites where you can get, like pay an, a, an extra dollar or so or, or maybe more than that because honestly they could drive the cost up to whatever they want if it sells. Yeah. But where you would only be able to get that on specific sites. And that would just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get variants anymore, which would really suck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I, I just think, I, I think at the, you know, at, at the bottom line, it's just a very short sighted uh, business plan to, to go for the whole digital only route. Well, and let's hope that her and her position alongside Michelle um, yep. being co-editors are, are going to be able to take that into account and look at the long game versus the short game. Yeah. But to end on a good note, <laughs> <laughs> a non-pessimistic note. Uh, so Cryptozoic has announced a Kickstarter that they're launching for the Dark Knight Returns board game that they're set to have out in 2021. And I'm actually pretty stoked for this because I think this could be, if they keep it true to, to the canon, doesn't have to be fully true, but as long as they go with the nitty gritty and the hardcore, this board game could be really cool. What did you think about seeing it? Yeah, you know, I... I I got to be honest and say that I'm not a huge fan of board games, but this, this concept is pretty cool. I, it's almost something like I kind of the way I feel about toys and action figures where I don't really, 
I don't collect toys or action figures, but I can live vicariously and, and kind of look and see what's out. I think that's really cool. And that's what I feel about this game. I think that that people who are really into board games are going to love it. And it is a story that could probably lend itself to a really cool board game. So I, I will be following this story to see exactly what, you know, how you play. And uh, yeah, I think that um, it, it, it's a very cool concept. Uh, what, what did you think? Oh, I'm trying to, to piece this together in my head because um, it reminds me what they're talking about here. It reminds me of almost a story-based gameplay where you're going to be immersed into the actual story itself. So it's kind of like like a, a, a desktop table game where it's where it's like the Red Opera where we, we, we discuss that. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like it's going to be something like that because you play single standalone missions or you can do larger campaigns. And if they're doing a larger campaign then that almost sounds exactly like something like Dungeons and Dragons. And if that's the case, it could be really cool to see this come out because um, we've seen Funko Pop has actually entered that type of a market as well, where they have their board games with the little mini Funko Pop series. And they already have one where you get to play as Batman, Joker, Harley, Robin, or Batgirl. And this sounds exactly kind of like what that's going to be. But for it to have a Kickstarter, it really makes me wonder how much this is going to cost. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother ball game right there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it could, it, this might be something that's not cheap. Well, because looking at it, Dungeons, I think I, now I don't play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, but I've bought a couple of the, the books over the years. And those are not cheap. That's that's almost as much as paying for a full-fledged video game. We're talking 50, 60 bucks a pop for the books. Yeah. So if we're in that market, my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. It's cool to see them trying to, to put their toe into that type of a market because there's really not anything like that in the DC-verse. I mean, yeah, we've got chess boards and the collectible figures that you can use to play chess. We're actually seeing a D&D style campaign game. So this would not only be a first of its kind for DC, but has the potential to be really cool and touch into a market that they haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, like I said, we ended on a good note. And (laughs) (laughs) that is um, the end of all of the news. And there was a lot. So Brad, before we close this out, what was what was the one new story that stood out to you the most? Oh, uh, hmm. I I would almost say just because it kind of came out of left field and surprised me, the Black Lightning story that they're that it's going to get a spinoff. Uh, I just really like that it has been, you know, that the Black Lightning series has been so successful that it is going to, you know, get us get a spinoff. And I think one of the most unsurprising stories was the fact that, you know, Wonder Woman might get uh, pushed back. And I think the story that kind of bummed me out in the way the most is, despite the fact that Amethyst is getting delayed again, that there's only going to be five more minutes of extra justice league footage so uh yeah what about you i was about to say goodness we covered your entire emotional we had you on a roller coaster yeah 
Brad, you're supposed to be the optimist this episode. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I am. I'm just, I just like, I, I was at least expecting 20 minutes of extra footage on Justice League. <laughs> I think, I think with me, the one that stuck, stood out the most is the last one that we did. That we're gonna see a tabletop style um, campaign game potentially coming, and they're starting out with a really killer story with Dark Knight Returns. So that one's exciting to me. Yeah. But I got to admit, I'm in the same boat as you when it comes to the Amethyst. That one just, it's not even necessarily like it's a bummer. I mean, it is a bummer, but it's just, it's really shocking to see a comic book having those delays versus, especially one that's already gained traction and is already out. I mean, this is the final issue. So it's just shocking to see that. Whereas it's not so much to see it for the movies or the TV series as much as it is for the comic. Yeah, so, it, it's 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 a strange thing because if you go back, you know, even before COVID hit, one one of you know the most frustrating things that we would talk about on the podcast is delays, and giving all those delays and the fact that there's been so much upheaval in stamping at DC. That this is just, you know, just one of those things that it's just like, man, come on. Because even as a fan of the comics, you know, it is such a great time to be a DC fan. And it is just such a bummer to see the business side of things not reflecting that. And, yeah, I, you know, it's just, come on, people, go out and buy those DC comics because they are so good right now. Right. I mean, even... I'm going to I'm going to totally break your heart when I say this, but even if it's just to get the digital version, yeah. <laughs> go to Comixology, go to your Amazon, Google Plays, do that and buy the comics. Because any kind of support is support and DC would see that and I I mean that in itself would help. So that just leads to to our ending yep. here and Brad where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at DC Comics News. And you can find me on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And where can people follow you? Uh, I can be found on the Mad Love podcast as well as here on the DC uh, Comics News podcast. Um, I can be found on Twitter at devour all words and doing news and opinion pieces for dark Knight news, as well as DC news. Um, if you've liked what you've heard, you can find us on any of the streaming services like Stitcher, uh, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. And when it comes to the social media, we're pretty much everywhere. I mean, we're Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, Tumblr, I always forget Tumblr. I need to get back on Tumblr. But we're <laughs> we're on all the social media platforms. But I've been your host, Kendra Hale. So the way that we usually end is... To read... More... Comics. Yeah.